here at Hillside. Welcome to all of you. Welcome to those of you who are watching online. And let me explain something a minute. For those of you who can see it, that monitor is showing 888. That's a, that's a signal to those who work in the nursery that we need more people there. It's not functioning correctly. And so we really don't need more people in the nursery. So if your kids have gone out to help and they haven't come back, you might want to go try to find them because they're just walking around, okay? So uh, ignore that for this service and we'll, we'll get it fixed uh, very soon. So uh, we're finishing up a sermon series today where we're, we've been talking about this question about what did Jesus do after his resurrection? What, what did Jesus do next? That when we talk about Jesus, and we should, we talk about his birth, that he came to earth and he was born among us, and we talk about his miracles and his teaching, and we talk about his death on the cross where he paid the price for our sins, and we talk about his resurrection where he conquered the grave, and, and we should talk about, about all of those things, but, but sometimes we leave the story there. And, and so we've been asking, all right, what happened next? What did Jesus do after his resurrection? And three weeks ago, we said that he, he spent 40 days on earth showing us his glorified body and showing us that, uh, that indeed he was risen from the dead, giving us that assurance. Then he ascended into heaven as the conquering hero. He ascended into heaven 40 days after Easter. And, and, and we recognize that, that one of us is there that somebody with our flesh is now in heaven with the Father and is pleading for us. And then last week we looked at the fact that then he took his place at the right hand of the Father, how he sat down on his throne. Then we recognize that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords and that he reigns right now. He reigns right now. Even when we don't see it, he is still on the throne and he is, he is the King of kings. And so this morning we look at this one, that he sent the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, which is 50 days after Easter. That's the one we're looking at today. And I want to first of all root this in Scripture. This is something that Jesus knew was going to happen, that he told his disciples about. John 16, verse 7, Jesus is gathered with his disciples. This is the time of the Last Supper, the time where Jesus celebrated Passover with his disciples. Later on, he's going to be betrayed. The next day, he's going to be crucified. And so he said to them, he said, I'm, I'm going to go away. And, and, and the disciples were, were very nervous about this because they hadn't done well when Jesus wasn't around. And so Jesus says this, he says, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Because unless I go away, unless I go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus says, I'm going to have to be absent from here so that I can be present with you through the Spirit. I have to go so I can send. And then sometime after Jesus rose from the dead, before he ascended, he was having a meal again with his disciples. And he said this, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, his disciples, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, Acts 1, verse 4 and 5, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about, the gift of the Holy Spirit. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So wait in Jerusalem, wait. And that, I think, becomes a word for all of us as we seek the Spirit's filling and, and we have the Spirit in us if we belong to Jesus, but to listen, to slow down, and to let God's Spirit guide us and lead us. And then, again, the day that Jesus ascended, just before he ascended into heaven, he had said, you know, that the Father's going to bring his kingdom. And the disciples say, when is now the time? Jesus says this. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power. 
You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to all the ends of the earth. All right, you are going to be my witnesses through everything. And then in Acts chapter 2, we read about the actual Sunday, the Pentecost day, when, when the Spirit came. The disciples were all gathered together in a, in a room. When the day of Pentecost came, they, the disciples, were all gathered together in one place. So they're all hanging out together. Jesus has said to wait in Jerusalem. So they're there in Jerusalem. They're waiting, seeing what's going to happen, seeing what's coming up next. Now, let me tell you just a little bit about Pentecost because it's helpful to understand this. Pentecost, a Jewish Pentecost, was, was known to them as the Festival of Weeks, all right, or Shavuot. Shavuot, that's it, Shavuot. Uh, that was what it was known as. And, and what it was was a celebration of a couple of things, all right? And people would come from all over Israel. People would come from all over the world to celebrate Pentecost, to celebrate weeks, to celebrate uh, Shavuot, all right? And, and, and the f- first thing that they would celebrate was they would celebrate the first fruits of the wheat harvest, okay? You know how the, the wheat gets harvested several times throughout the year? This was the first cutting, and, and, and they would celebrate, and they would give thanks to God for taking care of their food. They would give thanks to God, and they would offer him back the first fruits. They would say, God, these belong to you because we know you're going to take care of us. And so it was a celebration of, of the, the first harvest of the wheat, the first fruits. But it also became associated with something else. It became associated with God giving Moses the law of God. It became associated with God not just feeding our bodies with wheat, but it was also God feeding our souls with his, with his word, with the law of God. And, and, and for the Jewish people, the law brought life. And, and, and so this was a, an affirmation, a celebration of saying, you know, God, you feed our bodies and you feed our souls. So there were people all over from there gathered together to do that in, in Jerusalem. When the day of Pentecost came, they <clears throat> excuse me, were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. The rains are nothing compared to what this noise was, right? I mean, this was just this amazing. And, and again, I, every, every Pentecost, I'm aware that if God did this again, we would all just be flat on the ground. I mean, this was just, this violent wind comes, and it filled the whole place. And you can just imagine, I mean, it sounds in here when it does like rain, the roof is going to come off. They had to believe that was going to happen, this amazingly violent wind. And then they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. That doesn't happen every day. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues, the tongues of the languages of the people around them, as the Spirit enabled them. So Jesus sent the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. That's what the Bible teaches again and again and again. And, and what I want to just think about with you this morning for a little bit is, is what does that mean for us? But what does it mean for us that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit? Now, in order to answer this, I want to go back a ways, but not as far as we've gone back the last two weeks. We're not going to go all the way back to the beginning. If you want to see before creation and what I had, you have to go at live stream. But what I want to go to is, is right when Jesus became a baby, when Jesus was what we call incarnated, enfleshed, when Jesus came to earth and took on our flesh. The situation was, again, we've got earth, and it's dark because of sin. We're broken. The world is broken. Relationships are broken. And God is up in heaven, and we can't get out of it. 
We can't fix our problems. We have tried everything. God has given us all the help of, of giving us a leg up, so to speak. In a sense, the Old Testament is full of God saying, here, try this, try this, try this, try this. And nothing he does works because we can't do anything. And so he does the only thing that will work, and that is he sends his son. And so we know that God had a son, Jesus, and he was the, the crown prince of heaven. He was a, a ruler. He was eternal with the Father, always has been, uncreated. He was the crown prince of heaven. But in the name of his love for you and for me and for all the sinners in this world, he, he set aside his crown and he came to earth and he took on our flesh. He became one of us and, and he entered into our world. As he taught, as he did miracles, he brought light into darkness. But, but as happens, again, we as human beings, people like the, the dark. And, and, and they decided to get rid of the one who would be king, of this Jesus who, who came to be among us and who brought God's light. We prefer the dark. And, and, and so we, along with them, crucified him. And, and when Jesus died, darkness covered the earth. So that's... Good Friday. That's when Jesus Christ is paying the price for all of our sins, when all of our sins are being thrown on him so that we could be washed clean, all right? But again, the story isn't done. On the third day, God raised Jesus from the dead. He raised him up from the dead, and then we get to what we've been talking about. He spent 40 days on earth, and then that moment, that amazing day, 10 days ago now, Ascension Day, when he ascended into heaven, and he brought our flesh with him. He brought our flesh to be with the Father in heaven. And he intercedes and he pleads for us. And he brings us there. And then he moved to the Father's right hand. As we talked last week, it's the place of authority. It's the place of deepest trust. And then he sat down. He sat down on the throne where he was recognized as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Where he was the one who reigns through all eternity. Everything was put under his feet. Now, one day, when he comes back, he's going to give it back to the Father. But for now, everything is under the feet of Jesus. And we said, that's, that's who he is right now. That's what he's doing right now. He is reigning in heaven in spite of the brokenness of this world. Jesus Christ reigns. Our God reigns. And we hope in that, and we trust in that, that behind it all, Jesus Christ sits on his throne but that's not all Jesus did. He did one other thing, and it is absolutely essential. Because the fact is, we're still down here. We're still down here. And so Jesus sends the Holy Spirit. This is where in the story, now Jesus says, okay, look, I went away. And this is why it's better that I go away. Because when I go there, and Jesus is there, he said, I'm going to send my spirit to be with you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to be my presence with you wherever you go and whatever is going on. And that is an unbelievable thing. Now, let me tell you a little bit about the Holy Spirit. That the, the Holy Spirit, we have to recognize, is God. So one of the things we learn is that there's not just the Father who was uncreated and eternal, and not just the Son who was uncreated and eternal, but there's also the Holy Spirit, all right? The Holy Spirit is part of that uncreated, eternal, ongoing, forever God who's been there before the beginning, who with the Father and Son loved and served and gave, each other, gave, gave life to each other and just did whatever they could for each other. The Holy Spirit is God, part of the Trinity, 
The Holy Spirit is eternal. The Holy Spirit has all the power that God has. The Holy Spirit isn't just kind of a, uh, I can do this much. No, the Holy Spirit has all the power that God has. And if we don't tap into that, we're, we're just nuts, okay? The, the, God, the Holy Spirit who is alive in us is powerful. And I think it's important for us to recognize that the Holy Spirit has a servant's heart. Because so often when we think powerful, we think then you must, you must do whatever I say. But the power of the Holy Spirit, he uses to bless others. The Spirit, more than anything else, wants to say to us, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. He's awesome. Look at the Father. He's awesome. And he wants to set us free. And he wants to give us comfort and encouragement. The Holy Spirit comes to guide us and lead us and to serve us. So the Holy Spirit is God. The other thing I want us to know kind of right at the outset here is that the Holy Spirit is personal. One of the challenges, I think, whenever we talk about the Holy Spirit, when I think about the Holy Spirit, okay, God the Father, I can picture a father. God the Son, I can picture Jesus, right? But the Holy Spirit, it's a violent wind or a strong wind or it's a dove or it's a flame. And I've never had a conversation with a dove or a flame or a wind, okay? And I haven't done that. And so sometimes I think we, that's why we can kind of tempt, be tempted to, to turn the Holy Spirit into a force, and, and we got to kind of get in line with the force. That's not what the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is, is a person along with the Father and the Son. And even though I use this image of trying to combine dove, dove and flame, I use that image. The Holy Spirit is, well, the Holy Spirit feels and talks and listens. The Bible says that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. When, when, when we don't listen, when we turn our backs on the Spirit, we grieve the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit can have joy. The Holy Spirit can do all of that. The Holy Spirit can talk. The Holy Spirit listens. The Holy Spirit is Jesus with us now. And the relationship I have with Jesus is the relationship I have with the Holy Spirit. And, and, and so you can, you can have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And, and this is where we are now. This is how we connect with Jesus. I'll come back to that, all right? So Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. Let me try to kind of picture this for you. Again, they're in the, that room. They're gathered together. It's Pentecost. There's a Jewish festival going on. All these people are there. A sound like the blowing of a violent wind and tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. So if you can imagine it, something like this. You know, the Holy Spirit comes down and separates, and, and, and all of a sudden they've got these flames over their heads. And, and if I had one now, you'd listen. I wish I, you know, but they got this amazing thing going on. Now, we need more people here, so we got, I know they all look the same, but I wasn't going to make them all, like, change their clothes, all right? Um, I just doubled, duplicated them. So what happens next is, again, they speak in the language of the people around them. At Pentecost, there are these people from all over, different countries, and, and the disciples, the Holy Spirit comes on them, and they go out into the streets and they say, let me tell you about Jesus. And, and everybody's hearing him in their own language. And, and they actually thought the disciples were drunk. But, but the Holy Spirit is in them. And the Holy Spirit is powerful. And the Holy Spirit is driving them out into mission to point to Jesus and, and to tell others about Jesus. And so they do that. They speak. And the Holy Spirit moves around. And it falls on other people. And, and 3,000 people became followers of Jesus that day. And, and the Spirit continues to speak. And people continue to become uh, filled with the Spirit and, and, and brought into the light of Jesus Christ. And it's the Spirit who's doing that. 
The Spirit is, is moving around. Now, it doesn't, like I say, stay on our heads. At some point, it sort of must have on that day. I don't know when in that day it moved into their hearts. But at some point, I don't know if when they went out on the street it was still there or if, if by the time they went out, the, the Holy Spirit, the tongues of flame were no longer above them. But the Holy Spirit then lives in us. A couple of other things before I get into what the Holy Spirit is doing. One is, I, I just real quick on this one, but, but there are some who, who don't teach this, and I think we just need to recognize this is what I believe, and our church believes the Bible teaches, that all who belong to Jesus have the Holy Spirit in them. You may have heard some Christians saying, well, no, you come to Jesus, and then later on you need to get baptized in the Holy Spirit, and that's when you get the Holy Spirit. The, the, the New Testament makes clear that when we come to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to us. Now, we can be more yielded to the Holy Spirit. We can have, the, the Spirit can have more control of us. But if you belong to Jesus Christ, you have the Spirit. Okay, so don't, it's not a question of saying, what, what do I have to do? Because sometimes people will kind of say, well, you have to pray this prayer this way, or you have to have this experience, or you have to have this, and then you'll get the Holy Spirit. No, no, if you belong to Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit question is, how do I learn to be led by the Spirit? How do I let the Spirit be at work in me? So, all who belong to Jesus have the Holy Spirit, and, and this is how Jesus is present with us right now. And, and, and if you're ever confused by that, I, I, I have been for a long time. I think I got it now, but, but when I say Jesus is with me, what I really mean is the Spirit is in me. When I say I felt Jesus' presence, it's really the Spirit, okay? So it's, it's the Spirit that is Jesus with us. And, and, and so the heart of the Christian life is really now for us, we are in the age of the Spirit. We are in the age where Jesus is with us by the power of his Spirit. His body, his glorified body is still in heaven, but his Spirit is now here among us and in us. But it's Jesus among us and is, is in us. It's Jesus who is with us by his Spirit. And so... If sometimes, you know, we use language, and I do it when I'm preaching, that I'll say, you know, Jesus is with you right now. Jesus is wrapping his arms around you. But I, I mean, if I were technically correct, I'd say through the Holy Spirit and try to explain it all. But I'm not going to. You know what I mean, all right? So let's just make sure we understand that, that this is the age, all right? So what is Jesus doing through the Holy Spirit? What is Jesus doing through the Holy Spirit? And again, it's Jesus working through the Holy Spirit. I want to give you five things. And again, I know five is too many for you to remember, but just kind of see what sticks and, and, and allow God's Spirit to speak to you and, and see how, how He talks to you and where He brings these things and, and, and what He brings to you as you're talking about this. The first one that, that the Holy Spirit does is, I, I don't think, a fun job for the Holy Spirit, and it's not anything that I like when it happens, but the first thing that the Holy Spirit does is, is He's convicting us. He's convicting us. Part of what the Holy Spirit's job is, is, is to break through our defenses and show us our brokenness, is to break through our defenses and show us our sinfulness. Jesus said, again, he said this was going to happen. He said, and he, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And, and, and so he comes and he's convicting us. And like I say, what he's doing is he's showing us our sin. And I'm going to give you an image with each one of these. For me, this part of the work of the Holy Spirit is like a spotlight or a flashlight. And, and part of what the Holy Spirit does, and it's a gift, it's one of those unpleasant gifts. What the world, I'll just tell you, I'm going to have a colonoscopy on Tuesday. That, that's another unpleasant gift, right? It's something you've got to do, but, but, but it's not fun. 
Sorry, I, I, I'll try not to say that in the second service. Um, but no, right? I mean, there are just some things that you do, and in the Holy Spirit, we say, show me my sin, show me my brokenness, show me where I'm failing, because I'm so good at covering it up. I'm so good at, 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 at denying my sin. I'm so good at blaming it on somebody else that I need the Holy Spirit to come and to show that sin to me. And I think the Holy Spirit does this primarily and in, in, in a most important way, in a sense, before we become followers of Jesus. That's why John says he convicts the world, but he continues to do it after. He continues to do it after we become followers of Jesus to remind us that we need his grace, to remind us that we need his love and, and, and show the Holy, so the Holy Spirit. He's showing us, he's convicting us of our sins, but he's also shining that flashlight on Jesus on righteousness and on how we can be forgiven. And, 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 and so I imagine that work of the Holy Spirit and he's at work in me. And, and sometimes, again, I need to just know, Ron, you're off on this. You're not getting this right. And you need to own up to it. And you need to confess it. And, and you need to be clear about it. The Holy Spirit is convicting us. That's the first thing that he's doing. The second thing that he's doing is, is he's guiding us. The Holy Spirit is, is guiding us, is, is taking us where God wants us to go. Remember, we talked about how, how Pentecost was also a celebration of, of the law of God, right? That's our guide for life. It's how we live. It's how we go forward. He's guiding us. And, 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 and God did that through the law, but now he does it by his Spirit, still in line with the law. But since you are led by the Spirit, Paul says in Galatians 5, since you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. We are, we are to walk by the Spirit. We can't keep the law on our own. And so the Spirit leads us. The Spirit guides us. A, a few verses later, Paul says in verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. All right? Let us keep in step with the Spirit. And, 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 and so we try to go where the Holy Spirit calls us to go. We try to do what the Holy Spirit calls us to do. The Holy Spirit, in this sense, is, is like what we would call our conscience, guiding us, directing us. So he's guiding us. And again, we can throw this guy up there as a, you know, kind of a picture of a guide. As, as we try to make our way through life, this guide is there. And sometimes he's saying, don't go there. Don't go there. Don't, don't do that. That's just going to that's going to put you in the ditch. Don't go there. Sometimes he's saying, come this way. Go this way. Come over here. Somebody needs to hear a, a, a word from you. Somebody needs to get a hug from you. Somebody needs something from you. Go this way. Don't go there. Or, or check this out. Again, if you think of having a guide as you're in the Rocky Mountains or something, the guide is going to say, look, come over here and see the view from here. And the Holy Spirit will be active in our lives saying, come over here, look at Jesus from here. Look at what Jesus is doing there. Look at this, look at that. And so the Holy Spirit is guiding us where we need to go and what we need to see as we go through life, all right? So that's, that's the second thing. He's convicting us, he's guiding us. The third thing that the Holy Spirit is doing is, is he's teaching us. The Holy Spirit is opening up our eyes to see the truth. One of the things the Bible says is that we are surrounded by lies and it's really hard to see what's true and what's a lie in the world around us because it sure seems like straight out power wins. But the Holy Spirit is going to teach us. 
In a sense, he's guiding us into God's truth with this one, but I wanted to separate it, that he's going to teach us. Again, Jesus at the Last Supper, John 14. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. He's going to teach you everything. He's going to remind you of everything that I said to you. And so he's, he's teaching us, and again, the image here, uh, I mean, a teacher who, who's just kind of reminding us of the truth and who's telling us over and over again that, that, that love is stronger than hate, that Jesus Christ is king. And, and, and this is why we pray before we preach. This is why you should pray before you do your Bible study. Because it's the Holy Spirit who opens our minds. It's the Holy Spirit who opens up our hearts. It's love, is whatever it is, it's the Holy Spirit that can, can bring us to the truth. And so we just stop and say, Holy Spirit, guide us. Guide our thoughts, guide our eyes, so that we can discover your truth. So he's convicting us, he's guiding us, he's teaching us, and he's empowering us. Again, it's, it's not just that the Holy Spirit says, do this, do this, do this. This is one of the most amazing things that God has done for us. He washes away all of our sins. And he doesn't say, well, now get it better next time. What he says is, I will be alive in you. I will work through you. I, I will give you the strength that you need. Look at this, Acts 1 verse 8. We've read it already. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But, but you'll be able to receive power to do that, to tell others about Jesus Christ. It's not you. It's the Holy Spirit. Romans 15 verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit. How do we get hope? It's the power of the Holy Spirit in us. It's not that we just try harder ourselves. It's learning to live in the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit. How do we become more like Jesus? It's the Spirit, Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, that's endurance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's the Spirit who teaches me how to live like that. It's the Spirit who teaches me how to love like that. It's the Spirit who gives me those things. The Spirit is empowering us. And, and for many of us, that's probably what we want and, and in a sense, and need most. And so I, this is the image that I picked up of that. But, if, but saying, you know what, I can't, but by God's grace and strength, He will take me where I need to go. I can't love the way I ought to love. I can't serve the way I ought to serve. I can't do this. But the power of the Holy Spirit alive in me, the power of the Holy Spirit alive in me can, can help me to do what God calls me to do, to love others, to serve. Think of spiritual gifts, to be witnesses. The Holy Spirit will give me the power to endure. And friends, we need to get more and more learn to to live by that power, not my own strength, not your own strength, by the power of the Holy Spirit that is alive in us. So again, convicting, guiding, he's teaching us, he's empowering us, and he's comforting us. The Holy Spirit is, is Jesus hugging us. The Holy Spirit is Jesus coming alongside of us in our weakness Again, Romans 8, verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit 
helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. The Holy Spirit comes along in our pain. The Holy Spirit comes along in our brokenness. And the Holy Spirit is with us. He's comforting us. And again, this is one of those places, I think, where, where the Spirit really is the arms of Jesus. And, 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 and if you're in one of those places right now where you know the brokenness of your own life and of this world, part of what you do is you, you say, Holy Spirit, please come. Holy Spirit, please wrap your arms around me. Holy Spirit, Jesus, send your spirit. I just need to be, to be held, to be comforted, to know it's going to be okay, to be assured that you are still king. I need your Holy Spirit. And, and, and when you experience that peace that passes understanding that we sometimes talk about, that's the Holy Spirit. When you know that peace, that's the Holy Spirit. And he's comforting us. And he's caring for us. So let's just kind of, again, run through those again. As I said, you don't necessarily have to say, oh, i got to do all these. But just kind of recognize how Jesus is at work in our lives, that he's convicting us. That flashlight is shining on our sinfulness. He's guiding us. He's teaching us. He's empowering us. And he's comforting us. Friends, our brother, King Jesus, is with us by his Spirit. King Jesus is with us right now by the power of his spirit. And the question that we're going to come back to sometime is can we learn to experience the power and the presence of the spirit? Can we learn to be led by the spirit? I'm not going to go deep into it. For me, what that means is I need to slow down and listen. I need to slow down and just say, God, when I get running too fast, I, I start to run on my own power. When I get too busy, when I don't take time to slow down, I end up running on my own power. I need to just stop and say, God, this is yours. I am yours. Let your spirit come and work through me. Let's pray together. Father, let your spirit come and work through us. Father, some of us need that convicting. Some of us need that guidance. Some of us need learning. Some of us need power. Some of us need comfort. Let your spirit right now come and give us what we need and call us to be faithful and empower us to be faithful. Now, Father, as we turn to installing and ordaining people to be leadership leaders in this church, may, may they be filled with your spirit as they lead in your name, by the power of your spirit. Amen.